it well to center field. Deion Sanders going back to the wall, and it is gone. Bo Jackson over. All right, it's episode six of the FBAS podcast. That is Facebook All Sports Podcast. Here, as usual, with Dan and Jesse. What's up, guys? Hey, hey. Hey, how we doing, folks? I guess episode six means that this would be the Return of the Jedi episode or the best of the Star Wars episodes. Are we back on this again? It's you were outvoted on FBAS. Yeah, it, uh, it doesn't matter. Empire's the better movie, and just live with it. I don't think I'm ever gonna, you know, take that one. I think it's just, for me, it's always gonna be Jedi. You also lost the sports movie vote to Jesse. He's winning that now. Okay, look, so I, I didn't lose that. I'm just behind right now. <laughs> you are behind. <laughs> so your movie, your movie's swag credentials here are going down. I got to admit. Well, I think that my picks, I'm very comfortable with them. Loving loving first place. (laughs) And I would be remiss if I did not mention that our show, the FBAS podcast that you are listening to right now, aired twice today. It's actually going to air again at 9 p.m., but it aired at 1 p.m. already. So pretty cool to already be up on the RTF Sports Network, giving us some, you know, two play times today. Yeah, it's very cool for uh, them to already be giving us that opportunity. I'm very excited to see what the listeners and what the other podcasters feel about our product and our community. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said last time, it's very humbling. Uh, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity and to get two play slots. And, you know, just this time is always really cool. And, you know, we're very, very thankful. So again, you know, let's keep it going. And also they are having a contest for three free months of ESPN plus so that everybody can watch the last dance with Michael Jordan. We went into depth on it last episode. So if you don't know what that is, or you don't know what we're talking about, stop right now, go back, listen to the last episode, then come back to this one, but they are giving away three free months. Just go into the website, sign up. It's free and they're not going to spam you. They're just going to do a drawing in April so you can watch the entire series. Yeah. I mean, that's a deal. Three free months. Hop up on that folks. Can't miss that. That's a deal. Yeah, ESPN Plus is such an amazing package in itself. I mean, once you get those first three months for free, you're going to want to go ahead and start purchasing the remainder because the archives of ESPN 30 for 30s and documentaries that they have are just fantastic. All right, so this is going to be a really cool episode. We've been building up to this one. There's two episodes really left before the NFL draft. So next week we're going to be doing our mock draft in preparation for that. But this episode we're actually going to be talking prospects. Dan is our prospect guru. He is the Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay of FBAS. Basically, he came up with a list of the top 150 prospects and the deep dive research that he's done and given us an opportunity to ask him some questions about these prospects. And yeah, I'm excited to hear what you got to say, Dan. You know, it's coming down to crunch time for me. Everything's boiling down. I've got the prospects done pretty much. There's not a lot of change in here and there. You'll hear some rumors about people maybe failing medicals or just kind of dropping down boards because of character concerns or things like that. But overall, talent-wise, you know, rankings are done. Mocks are pretty much getting done here. So it's coming down to that time. I'm really excited. 
All right, so I'm going to start off with uh, question one. So, Dan, you ranked the top 150 prospects. 25 of them are defensive secondary prospects, and 22 of them are wide receivers. So it seems like you feel the deepest part of this draft are going to be guys catching the ball and guys defending the pass. Yeah, 100%, most definitely. I mean, it's just an insanely talented group at both of those positions. It goes very deep. Honestly, I expect six, seven, maybe even eight first-round wide receivers in this draft. It would not surprise me, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if there were six, seven corners drafted in the first round also. I mean, the talent is crazy. It's loaded. These guys are fast. They're long. They're physical. It's a really, really, really talented. Would you say the receivers or just kind of a follow-up question before Jesse gets to number two. Would you say the receivers or the defensive backs are deeper? Definitely the receivers. The receivers go way, way, way deep. I think I sent you guys 25, and that's really just kind of it ends at the fifth round at that point. I still have another list of 15 guys, but I mean, realistically, I didn't want to send that much information to you at once, but I mean, it's so deep. The, The wide receivers class is insane this year. It's nothing like we've ever seen. Yeah, I think of those two positions, to me at least, one of those positions is top heavy and the other is not. I'll let you get into that after we get into those questions. But on my second question for you, and actually Wayne and I's second question for you is, you know, you've got two, you know, a lot of high grades on receivers. Early guys we've heard a lot about, you know, rug, and then you've got other guys closer to the top 10. Uh, I want to ask you specifically about Brandon Ayuk, uh, and please let me know if I'm butchering that name. LaVisca Chenault, uh, those are two guys that we haven't heard you touch upon within your top 10, but you've spoken about a bunch of other guys. So can you let us know a bit more about those two guys, please? Yeah, definitely. Brandon Ayuk is, I believe, how the name is pronounced. That's, you know, kind of what I'm going to go with. That's how I've heard or seen it. Really talented guy, Juco transfer into Arizona State. Extremely, extremely long guy. He's really, really kind of still raw, but the, the overall talent's just booming. He tacks the ball like really aggressively in the air. He's extremely good at high-pointing the football. And overall, I just love his talent and where it can go in this day age of the NFL. LaVisca Chenault is a different character, in my opinion. The guy is not really a wide receiver. He's an all-around player. He, he played a lot of running back. He played a lot of quarterback. He played a lot of slot, inside, outside. He did a lot of things at Colorado and got a ton of usage. And, I mean, he's just a total athlete. He's super strong. His agility and speed is very, very good. The issue with him is he's ton of ton of injuries the guy's just been hurt every year he had a bad toe his junior year and had a, a torn labrum in his shoulder that he played through and now this year he's got a bad hip and had to have surgery too at the after the combine just a lot of things that knock him down and any player with a medical red flag i'm gonna really lower on my board this year just because teams don't have time to vet them personally and actually get their team doctors to look at them so any guy that's got a medical concern i'm probably gonna lower on my board so that's why i've got lavisca pretty low I mean, I've got him at nine, which I think is kind of low for a lot of rankings, but his injuries scare the the GBs out of me. Are both these guys going in the first 50 picks, Dan? Yeah, I think so. I think Brandon Ayuk sneaks into the first round. It wouldn't surprise me if a team like Green Bay jumps on Brandon Ayuk. A team like Minnesota would jump all over Brandon Ayuk, I think. They would really like him. And then LaVisca Chenault's going to go in the top 50. He just has way too much talent not to. It's just, I don't know what team's going to eventually take the risk on him, but at the top of the second round right there, I think somebody's going to take the risk. I mean, if he was healthy and had no injury concerns, he'd be a top 15 lock. So, I mean, it's really tough. He's a tough prospect to grade. Now, if Chenault was completely healthy, where would you rank him among, like, Lamb and Judy? Like, where does he fall in that group? 
if he's completely healthy, not an injury at all, he's ahead of Ruggs, in my opinion, or right there in that Ruggs tier. It's Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb in a tier of their own. Then it would be Ruggs, Chenault or Chenault Ruggs, however you want to put them, in one tier. And then Ayuk, Mims, Jefferson in another tier for me. As it is now, he's, like I said, he's lower. He's behind all those guys because of that. But pure talent-wise, he's incredibly good. Chenault's like an offensive jackknife. Yeah, he really is. He can be used in so many ways. I mean, he can be a running back. He can be a receiver. He can take snaps out of the wildcat if you like want to run that kind of gimmicky offense. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can do a whole lot of things really well. Another Colorado guy like Cordell Stewart. Yeah, just way more physical. There's a play that a teammate points out. It's fourth and one. They're down. There's like a minute left. And he straight meets this linebacker in the hole and runs him smack over. Uh, LaVisca Chenaltos runs him smack over and gets the first down. And it's like, that's what he brings to the table. Like, he's a big, big boy. He's a 220-pound thick wide receiver. He's going to bring the noise. If wide receiver is the deepest position, it seems like tight end would be the most shallow position as he's only had seven players listed for the tight end position. And I'm curious if that's because tight end traditionally has the worst transition from college to pros with guys like Kelsey going in the third round, Delaney Walker sixth, Jack Doyle undrafted. And then your first round picks are guys like Ebron, OJ Howard, Jermaine Gresham. So it seems like it's the hardest position that really transitions from college to the pros. Definitely. And also this year, there's just not a lot of the athletic guys you would expect to see outside of Albert Awekubam. There weren't many guys that really kind of tested off the charts that kind of blew up and you were crazy excited about. Tight end's also a position that I've seen recently in recent years that guys will go that I just didn't scout well enough, apparently, or wasn't keen on enough, that guys will go much higher than I thought they were going to go. So tight end's been a real tough position for me to scout personally. So I try to just take my time into scouting top guys that I know are going to get drafted and see where they go, because that's traditionally been a tough position for me to pick and lay out. But this class especially, like Jared Pinkney was the top three tight end probably, and now he's completely off my board. I mean, he's going to get picked, but he's just a prospect that his athletic testing was just atrocious. So, I mean, it's a difficult position to evaluate, in my opinion. Yeah, Dan, when you're evaluating those tight ends, uh, you know, you're used to seeing schools such as Notre Dame, Missouri, and Purdue produce pretty good tight ends on a consistent basis. Where is this guy, Dayton Adam Troutman, and who does he compare to in the next level? Adam Troutman honestly probably compares to Austin Hooper. If I was to pick a player that he kind of resembles in his game, I think is going to resemble. He's a guy who came in and kind of shocked everybody at his combine and pro day in general. He moved really well at the pro day, performed extremely well. And then his combine, he came in and ran a 4.8, had a sub-7 three-cone, which is really impressive, had a really impressive broad jump. He just kind of showed out at the combine and compare with that with like, you know, the senior bowl and, you know, he just had a really good off season. And I just think a team's going to really, he's got a tight end body. You know, a lot of these other guys are kind of smaller. They're like kind of hybrid wide receiver tight ends. This kid's 6'5", 255, built like a tight end, doesn't mind blocking, but also can get out there and move and be an actual receiving threat. He looks smooth in routes. So I'm a big, big, big Adam Trouble fan. Now, you said you wouldn't ever take a running back in the first round. That's kind of your personal policy. You said not even a guy like Zeke or Barkley or Jacobs. Now, none of the running backs in this year's class are in the same category as Zeke or Barkley or Jacobs. So what is the highest that you would take any of these running backs? If I'm Kansas City and DeAndre Swift falls to 32, I'd really think about it just because it's a luxury pick that you can kind of afford. And to add that kind of piece to your offense, I think would be pretty nice. 
He's a really good threat out of the backfield, running the ball and catching the ball. And is a really nice slasher, and I think just kind of fits that offense. Outside of that, I think a lot of these guys are going to go in the second and third. I like a lot of them, like Swift, Dobbins, Taylor, Moss, Edwards, Alaire, Cam Akers. I like all of them in that second to third round range. I think they're all very, very, very talented players who have the potential to make an impact depending on where they go. But again, my personal philosophy, and I think a lot of teams, I don't think you'll see one go in the first round this year. I really don't. So I've seen some mocks with DeAndre Swift going to the Dolphins at 26, or so I don't see that happening. If anything, one may go to Kansas City at 32, but again, I think they go corner. I don't know. I don't see one going in the first round this year either. Dan, who's your running back steal after the third or fourth round there? Uh, you listed about four or five guys just now. Who's the guy you see drafted after that that you consider a steal? I think A.J. Dillon's going to be a productive back in the league. His just running style is violent. The guy just likes to hit people and just runs very well, and he's sneaky, shifty, and fast. And then I think Antonio Gibson is going to be a, a really, really, really productive player in the league. He's coming out of Memphis. He played a little bit of wide receiver running back hybrid, played a lot of wide receiver at Memphis. I don't think he's a wide receiver at all, though. He's a running back, and in the league, I think he'll be a running back. And at that spot, I think he's going to be very special. He ran a 4-3-8, which... I didn't think he was going to run that fast. He's a bigger dude. I really, really like Antonio Gibson. He's a player I'm hoping the Bucks get in like the third or fourth round, honestly, instead of using an asset in the second round on like a Clyde Edwards Delaire or another receiving back. I think Antonio Gibson's a really good value in the fourth. Sneaking in before Jesse gets the next question, actually. Year in advance, but where do you project Etienne from uh, Clemson? Okay, so that's going to be one of those guys who, like Zeke, like I think he's going to be a really, really, really premier special player. But again, I, I wouldn't take him in the first. But as of now, he's a top 10 ranked player on my 2021 board. He's insanely special. His gear change from not moving to absolutely full sprint is stupid special. Absolutely insanely special. Like premier, premier tier. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say the words Bo Jackson, but like Bo Jackson acceleration. It's crazy how fast he gets to top speed. And he just runs by people. And then he's also violent. He has good hands. I love Travis Etienne. I love Travis Etienne. How dare you? (laughs) You don't like Travis Etienne? You're not a fan? Bo Jackson is God to me. I agree. And, and, you know, I use that with hesitation, obviously. But I'm just saying his acceleration is truly special. Like, it really, really is special. It's it's Tyreek Hill fast. It's from stop to 100% in one step. It's crazy to watch. Yeah, so everybody, you just heard Dan give us about 7 to 10 guys at the running back position. I know our existing fans, our potential new fans are very into fantasy, so that's a key position there. It's very awesome that you actually led me into this word here, Dan, because you used the word love quite a few times. (laughs) Tell me about your love affair with Jordan Love. What, What do you like about this guy? I just think the ceiling is untapped. I think the ceiling could be the highest in the draft class, to be honest. His just his arm talent is so special. He can make the throw from any angle. He can make every throw on the field. He can get out of the pocket and make the throws. It's just his decision-making is awful. He needs good coaching. You know, he was at Utah State. I mean, you're not going to play with the same type of player that you're going to play with it in Alabama. You're not going to be around the same kind of coaching staff. You're not going to get that same kind of tutelage. 
at the same time, like you would expect his play to be better. His 2019 tape was pretty bad. He had some pretty bad interceptions where he's just kind of throwing the ball into coverage and it, it shouldn't be thrown. But at the same time, the team took a regression. He lost his entire coaching staff. I mean, I'm not making excuses for the kid. He's got to play better at football. But if you look at his 2018 tape, he's clearly the third best quarterback in this draft. And that's where I see him. I love him as a project. He's also polarizing. He's either going to be really, really great or he's going to fail within a year or two and you're going to be able to get out of this situation without being stuck in Jameis Winston purgatory where you've got five years of God he's so talented can he just put it together you're not going to have that with Jordan Love he's either going to show he's very very good or he's going to be very very bad he's just not going to be able to read the defense and do the things you need to do even though he has all this arm talent I'm a big fan of Jordan getting where he's probably going to go putting the GM hat on you how high should he go if it was up to you what is the absolute highest that he would go? Well, this is difficult because I'm kind of playing like a little game with other GMs because I don't know how his stock is around the league, but I, I, I think I'd like to know that a lot of teams aren't that high on him. So I think I could get him in the mid-teens. If I was Miami and I miss out on Tua, I would personally rather take Love at 18 than Justin Herbert at 5. I guess kind of like 18 to 23 that like, you know, New England and New Orleans have those picks that I think they'll want to move down from. If I was a GM, I think I'd take my first round pick and then I think I'd try to move up for one of those picks and take them around there. Now, by all accounts, Jordan Love does seem like somewhat of a project quarterback. You said yourself, he's going to need time to develop. So my question would be, if Lamar Jackson doesn't win the MVP in 2019, are we still talking about Jordan Love in the first round? Yes. What Jordan Love does isn't what he does well with his legs. Jordan Love has special, special arm talent. I mean, at the beginning of the draft process, a lot of people were throwing around the Patrick Mahomes name. And it's not because that's who they think he's going to be. It's because he can make those same kind of weird off-angle sidearm throws, and they're somehow kind of like pinpoint accurate. He has the ability to make those throws. He just hasn't shown he can make them every throw and make the right decision every throw. If he turns that corner and gets the right coaching and is able to make the right decisions on every play with the arm talent he has, I think he's going to be very, very special. But I don't think his legs are what drives him. I do think Jalen Hurts, if you want to bring up that name, I think he's benefiting greatly from the Lamar Jackson hype. I wasn't on the Lamar Jackson train, I'll admit that. I didn't think he was going to succeed. I still actually don't think he's going to succeed. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts is far and away worse than Lamar Jackson ever was. So I don't see any way Jalen Hurts succeeds in the NFL. Well, that's a perfect lead into my next question because I was going to ask why Jalen Hurts isn't getting more love. Because by all accounts, he's played in two really tough conferences, great record, good stats, and seems to be a guy that has a high football IQ character leadership guy so why is he being projected so low <laughs> that's a perfectly his accuracy is atrocious when put in a situation where he has all americans around him and he can run the play action and kind of diagnose a defense you know very vanilla he looks great he really does you throw him in oklahoma and let him run that spread and i mean god it's built for him but if you put him under center and make him want a pro style offense and, and blitzes coming from weak sides that he doesn't see and things like that i don't see him being able to diagnose that and make a accurate throw under fire i don't see that coming from him i haven't seen that his entire college career and so that's my issue with him i just don't see him being able to translate what he does in the college game into the nfl once he gets past his first and second read it's run the football it's not find my help and that doesn't work in the nfl it just doesn't 
in my opinion, the most disrespectful thing that a quarterback can be called is a game manager. And Jake Rom is a awful game manager. And I'm an Alabama fan. I saw Jalen Hurts up close. I thought this guy performed at a great level. You know, you talk about needing to be surrounded by great talent. That's what the NFL is, baby. So to me, having you having Jake Rom ranked higher than Jalen Hurts is disrespectful. I think Jake Fromm is, is trash. And if I had 32 seventh-round picks, I would not take him with any of those. I mean, I guess that's kind of how I feel about Jalen Hurts. I'd rather take the guy who I've seen make every throw on the football field from under center while facing pressure, diagnosing defenses, hitting his third read, calling audibles, beating out two number one ranked recruits in the entire nation, making Justin Fields transfer to Ohio State because he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts has to transfer out of Alabama because he can't beat out Tua. I mean, those things matter to me personally. I agree Jake Fromm is not the most talented quarterback. I don't think he's going to start a ton of games in the league. I think he's going to be a very, very, very capable backup. I think he's going to have an easy six to eight year, maybe even 10 year career as a backup quarterback in this league. He is a film and study guru. The guy can, will be the first person in the building, the last person out of the building. He's going to help his team any way he can to win. That I think is just more important than overall athletic ability to me. So you're just saying that I'm biased? Yes, 100%. You have Alabama bleeding through you, so I understand it completely. Roll tide, baby. Uh, uh, so we're going to stick with quarterbacks, and we're actually going to trickle back to the guy that we spent a couple of questions on. Uh, Ryan Leith, the buddy of ours at FBAS, did a mock draft, and uh, he posted that not too long ago. And he gave Wayne and I's New England Patriots Jordan Love. Wayne and I both hated that pick. What do you think is the likelihood that that's actually taking quarterback in the first round or any round of the draft? As of now, it doesn't look too likely. They seem pretty sad on Stidham. And, you know, we've discussed this ad nauseum on here. Personally, I love Stidham. I know Wayne loves Stidham. I was a big, big, big fan of him coming into last year's draft. And I think he has all the tools and the mental abilities to succeed in this league. So I don't really see them trying to press the action for a quarterback. When you don't have a second round pick, just kind of doesn't make sense to me, especially a Jordan Love. Justin Herbert falls to them at 23. I really do think they may have to make it to think about it. I mean, that kind of arm talent at 23, I think they'd be foolish not to at least consider it. Jordan Love, however, though, like I said, is a project. I mean, if you're going to bring him in, it's with the intention of sitting him for a solid year or two and not letting him touch a football on the field and kind of just learn. And they don't really have a guy on their team who's going to teach him and be able to mentor him. I mean, they need to teach Jared Stidham and mentor Jared Stidham and groom Jared Stidham. So so I don't love – I didn't love the Jordan Love pick there. And I don't really see them – they may take a late-round flyer on a guy, like maybe a Nate Stanley that kind of seems to fit their MO of players, like hard-nosed, tough guys. Again, guys who are going to make good decisions and things like that. I don't know if they're going to take one early. I, I don't see it happening. So Ezra Cleveland's your number seven ranked offensive tackle. I'm curious. I've seen him in mock drafts going as high as in the 20s and as low as in the 70s. I'm curious why he's such a polarizing prospect. Honestly, I'm not sure. I would think that maybe a level of competition has something to do with it. 
I mean, his athletic profile would fit more towards the higher end of that range. He had a sub 540, 30 bench press reps. He had a 30 inch vertical. He had a 7-2 three cone, which isn't like elite, but that's incredibly good. The only issue with him too is you like to see your tackles. There's kind of like these threshold numbers for a lot of prospects. 34 inch arms is kind of what you want to see from your tackles. He's got 33 and 3 inch arms, which I know doesn't sound like a whole lot, but for some reason it matters to a lot of these GMs. Like if you don't hit this threshold, they won't even have you on your board so that could be it but for the most part i have him as a really high prospect i love him i think he's a really versatile guy i think he can start at right tackle and then move to left tackle if that's kind of what you need i wouldn't expect him to get past the bears at 50 i think would jump all over him the jets at 48 if they don't get a tackle in the first round i think would jump all over him the bucks at 45 if they miss out on the tackle run i think would jump all over him so there's a lot of tackle needy teams in the second round that i think would really pounce on ezra cleveland I don't expect him to get past 50. He's de- he's a top 50 prospect for me, so I'm a big fan. I feel like every year at draft time, the tackles get all the love and the interior offensive linemen get none of the love. And obviously to establish the run, you're going to need good, agile, strong interior offensive linemen. And I'm curious, if we look back on this draft in 10 or 15 years, who's the guy, guard or center, that we're going to say, how is this guy not a first-round pick? I think Jonah Jackson has a shot to be that guy. The guard from Ohio State, athletically, he's not going to wow you. Size-wise, he's not going to wow you, but just technique and hands. I mean, God, the guy's so good. I mean, he's just so good. It's fun to watch. Natane Mute can stay healthy. The guy's just a mauler. He just fucking throws people. It's fun to watch. Then a guy that's rising up boards real fast is this kid, Robert Hunt, who I don't know. It's really tough to find a ton of tape on him because he went to Louisiana. So it's tough to kind of find some things. So I'm just working on these little clips. But I mean, what I see now is the guy looks stout. He looks really good. He can move really well. He's He played right tackle. I would think he's going to play either left guard or right guard in the NFL. And I think he's got a chance to be really, really good as well. So I'd say those guys. Dan, recently in one of our episodes, you talked about how a guy being drafted like Travis Frederick shocked you because you didn't see that guy, an interior offensive lineman, being drafted so high. Who is going to shock you this year? Who's going to sneak into the first? I think Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan's. He seems like he's rising a ton of boards, has a real shot of going in the first round. Man, the guy's just a mean guy in the middle. He's a mauler. I like his game a lot. There's a lot of talk about him going to the Baltimore Ravens towards the end of the draft, the whole Harbaugh connection, and talking him up. They need an interior lineman pretty bad. I think Seattle could take him too. Yeah, Cesar Ruiz, I think, has a really good shot of going in the first, and it wouldn't shock me at all because the guy's super talented. 17 of the top 150 prospects you have there are edge rushers, so it's a pretty deep class, but it seems like there's a big drop-off after Chase Young. So I'm curious, who are the three or four guys They're going to be bunched together when there's a little bit of a run on those guys. I honestly don't think any of them are going to kind of be bunched together, honestly. I mean, the guys that I think are kind of in this group of the next level, I mean, you've got Chase Young, and then you've got Kalevon Chase on, and I think they're kind of on their own tiers. Chase Young, you know, a clear mile ahead of everybody else, but then I think Kalevon Chase on is on his own tier also. The guy's just an athletic freak of nature and is just a really kind of ball of clay that I think a team's going to fall in love with and mold into something. Beyond that, it's really rough. Yutur Gross Matos has a chance to be really good, but I don't know. He's got a lot of off-the-field stuff. The group, I think, like in the later second-round area, the Julian Aquara, Terrell Lewis, and Josh Uche. I- I'm in love with all three of them. I think they're all three really good values in the second round, maybe even later. Julian Aquara is a kid at Notre Dame. Played a ton of off-ball linebacker because just because of the teams they play kind of dictate 
that they're going to run the football. And so Julian Aquara can't just kind of put his hand in the ground or, or just straight rush the passer. But when he did rush the passer, he had a win percentage rate that was in the top 90% or the top 10% of defensive ends. Terrell Lewis is a guy who Jesse will know from Alabama, just a real long athletic freak, really kind of powerful. He's got the injury bug and he's never been able to put it all together, but somebody's going to fall in love with his length and strength combination and just the kind of athlete he, he is. And then Uche also, I, I love him coming out of Michigan. He's a hybrid between a pass rusher and an off-ball linebacker. And I just think he's really going to fit in the kind of modern game where, you, where you're moving these guys all around. So that would probably be probably like third or fourth tier group, but they're going to all group together in the second round, I think is when they'll go. Now, some of the interior defensive linemen, I know there's some guys who are interior defensive linemen that they're just run stoppers. And there are other guys that they're the interior pass rushers. Outside of Kinlaw and Brown, who are some other guys that dominate both areas? Neville Gallimore is a freaking nature. I'm super late to him. I've got him ranked fifth now in my interior defensive lineman. He may be ahead of Ross Blacklock when I get done. That's one of the moves that I made because I got super late to him. I kind of evaluated him and then was like, all right, he's he's a really good player. Let's move on. And then you kind of go back and you kind of touch up on some guys. And I went back and was watching other tape of Oklahoma and just kind of, he just jumped off the board again to me. And I was like, good God, he's a hybrid. He's a nose tackle who's just going to be violent stopping the run, but he is also going to rush the passer like with ferocity i'm a big fan of him another guy i like a whole lot is ross blacklock who i talked about who i'd probably bump down i don't think he's a good run stopper i don't think he really does both but he shoots the gap like no other like it's aggressive he's a really 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 talented player and then a guy james lynch coming out of baylor Hey, he doesn't get a ton of talk, but I think he's a guy who does absolutely everything well. That's what you mentioned you wanted me to talk about. He's a guy who I think will play the run with reckless abandon. He's That's going to be his first key, but he also has the ability to rush the passer. He's extremely strong with his hands. He can play either 3-4 end or 4-3 defensive tackle, in my opinion. I think he may be best as a 3-4 end, but man, I'm a big, big, big James Lynch fan, actually. I know in previous episodes we talked about the problem with Swiss Army Knife defenders is they tend to be a jack-of-all-trades but a master of none. Isaiah Simmons, if I'm not mistaken, he seems to be a master of all trades. Uh, Yeah, he's my pure man crush in this draft. I'm probably the biggest Isaiah Simmons fan you'll find. He's my number three player in this class. If Joe Burrow wasn't a quarterback, I don't know, he probably wouldn't be my number two player. I have Chase Young, Joe Burrow, Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is just a freak. He does everything well. He really does. I mean, in the NFL game, he may get washed in blocks. You'll have to design a scheme that keeps him clean, kind of like the 2000 Ravens, you know, when just Ray Lewis was kind of just clean every play to make a lot of plays. I mean, that's kind of what you're going to need to do. You're going to have to keep him clean. You're going to have to have a guy that just occupies buys blockers so that they can't get to Simmons but man the guy diagnoses plays like nobody I've ever seen in a long time like I mean he's Devin White-esque with his IQ but his coverage ability is like that of a of a cornerback it's crazy I mean the guy's nuts to watch on film it's really fun all right Dan so my next question is going to come at you in a few parts so I'm going to let you answer each individually Uh, The first part uh, actually isn't documented between Wayne and I, but a guy I love, Dylan Moses, isn't part of this class because he decided he was going to go back to Alabama. Where would you have had Dylan Moses if he came out this year? He would have been... 
probably my number two linebacker. He'd have been ahead of Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. I mean, again, I don't know. I'd have to see him test athletically, but I'm assuming he tests pretty well. That's kind of like what we expect is for him to test rather well and, and be a pretty athletic linebacker. So I would have had him ahead of Isaiah Simmons. I mean, ahead of Patrick Queen, right behind Isaiah Simmons. And he probably would have been a top 20 player in this draft. Again, I'd have to see all the other testing, but just going from what I did know about him, how I have him as a 2021 prospect, which he is extremely high on my 2021 board, that I'd, I'd probably have him as a top 20, top 15 prospect in this year's draft. All right. So my next part here, give me uh, give me a couple names here that I'm going to see drafted in the third or fourth round. We've spoken at length about how the Patriots don't have a second round pick, and that's where Belichick makes his money is that third and fourth round. Give me some linebackers who are going to be taken in that third and fourth round. who are really going to be stars at the next level. Honestly, I think that's where their value is. Like you hit it on the nail. I think the end of the second, third round is where a lot of these linebackers are going to go, and I think a lot of them are going to shine. Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State is an athletic freak of nature. The guy moves so well, but he's got a ton of off-the-field issues. He punched his quarterback at Mississippi State. He cheated on a chemistry test and got dismissed from the program. So some teams aren't going to like that, and they're going to knock him down their board. Talent-wise, he's a first-round talent. Willie Gay is a first-round talent linebacker. You know, he's going to fall, and somebody's going to get a special player. Troy Dye from Oregon is, honestly, if if you want to consider Isaiah Simmons a safety, Troy Dye is the best coverage linebacker. His hips are so smooth in his turns, and coming in and out of breaks, it's crazy fun to watch him. Malik Harrison and Jordan Brooks, I think, are both going to be guys who Jordan Brooks is going to come downhill. He's going to thump the piss out of you. The the guy's an old-school linebacker with new-school mobility. I'm a big fan of him coming out of Texas Tech, and then Malik Harrison out of Ohio State. I was concerned about his athletic profile, and he did really well at the Combine. He showed he can move really well. He looks smooth in drills. That group of guys, I think, is going to be really well, I, I think do really well in that third round. And I think you're going to get a great return on those investments on all of them. You had mentioned not liking to take running backs in the first round. We talked about that. I personally would have a really hard time taking a cornerback in the top 10, unless we're talking Deion Sanders, Charles Woodson, Champ Bailey. Is Jeff Okuda in the same class as Deion, Charles Woodson, and Champ Bailey? Yes, 100%, without question. Jeff Okuda is a freak of nature at quarterback. Honestly, his weaknesses are so impossible to kind of find. His recovery isn't the best, but he's never in a spot where he has to recover. So it's like, it's it's kind of tough to like knock him for that. He's going to hit you. He plays extremely physical. His footwork is bar none the best in this draft and that I've seen in quite a while. His agility is elite. I mean, I love Jeffrey Okuda. I'm a huge, huge fan. I think he's going to go down as one of the elite prospects like that we remember, I think. All right, because I know that a few years ago, obviously, Jalen Ramsey was that guy as well. Top five, top 10 pick. Where does Okuda rank compared to Jalen Ramsey out of Florida State? Honestly, that's my comp to him. I know it's an easy comp, but that's my comp. He's so big. He's 6'2", 215 pounds. He's going to put his hands on you. He's going to be physical. So I think he's every bit as good as Jalen Ramsey. And he has the potential to be what Jalen Ramsey turned out to be. Now, that doesn't mean he is going to be that. He also has the potential to be Darius Slay, you know, and just kind of be kind of an average corner for the rest of his life or, you know, be good here and there, great spots. But, I mean, out of any of the the secondary players, because I'm also in that camp that I don't like taking secondary early. I don't like taking linebacker early unless he's an edge rusher. I'd stick to premier positions. Why? 
receiver, offensive line, defensive line, edge, kind of thing like that is where I want to stay in the first round. So I'm not a big fan of cornerback in the top 10, but I would 100% take Jeffrey Okuda in the top 5, 10, 3. Jeffrey Okuda is a 100% difference maker in my opinion. I feel like if I had that chance to get Okuda top 5, top 10, I would actually trade back and take my chances with C.J. Henderson because I just don't see a cliff-sized drop between the two of them. So my question is, in your opinion, what part of Henderson's game has the biggest drop-off from Okuda? He's not physical. He's not going to tackle. He doesn't want to tackle. He takes bad angles. I don't think he's going to get away with that in the NFL. That's like his huge big knock is he he just doesn't want to tackle you. He doesn't want to get aggressive with you. He doesn't want you to hit him. And we saw what that did to Greedy Williams. It's going to push him down. Now, I'm very high on C.J. Anderson also. He's my number two corner by a, a long margin. He's my number 14 overall player. So I'm very high on him. To be fair, Jeffrey Okuda is my fourth. So, I mean, there's a 10 prospect cliff there. I mean, I think it is a very far drop-off, but I think Jeff Okuda is just a very special prospect. I don't think I'd trade back and risk taking C.J. Henderson, but I mean, if I'm Detroit, I don't take a corner anyway because I don't believe in that philosophy. They need a right tackle. Why not take one of these premier right tackles at three or at five or six, wherever you trade down? So that would personally be my opinion, but it seems like they're pretty locked in on taking Okuda, and it's, I don't think it's a bad pick in any way because of the, the player and prospect he is. Now, squeezing in another one real quick. So I know he's not a great tackler, but if he's good at coverage, I guess my question would be, I think if we did a poll and we said, who's the best corner in the history of football, I think it would be unanimous Deion Sanders, right? And yet he might have been one of the worst tacklers I've ever seen. Yeah, but it's a different game now. I mean, your cornerbacks are left on, and I know Dion was left on an island too, but they're, they're throwing these screens to these guys and they're putting these corners in more vulnerable spots. And I think you just kind of have to be able to tackle. I do agree, but I mean, you're going to get a lot of smoke that Rod Woodson was the best corner and he was a tackling machine and played physical as hell. So I think it kind of all depends. I do agree. I mean, I, I'm a huge C.J. Henderson fan again. I love him. I think he's fantastic. Him and Christian Fulton are probably the, like fighting it out for best zone coverage in the draft. Man coverage, he's up there with Akuda. I think Akuda's a, a pure 10, and C.J. Henderson's probably an 8.5 or a 9, so it's not like he's behind him much. And then football IQ, he's right there too, and that's why like I don't think his tackling is going to be a huge issue in the, in the league because he's going to be put in a spot where he's not allowing a ton of catches. Honestly, that's kind of his game is, is a lot of like just nobody throws the ball because you're not open but again i think that's the knock on him is you just can't tackle anybody yeah cornerback to me uh is where i was hinting at earlier in the episode where there may be as much depth as receiver but there's definitely a much further drop off from the top guys to you know that second and third tier whereas receiver you, know, you seem to have some depth there with you know a lot of the first second and third tier guys all the way through but I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball here. We've talked about in earlier episodes, guys from specific SEC schools. I mean, we've talked about Xavier McKinney. We've talked about Grant Delpit. Wayne and I both prefer Grant Delpit. This is a guy that comes from a school with great lineage of tacklers and players as a whole. Still in the league, they're playmakers. But most drafts have McKinney going first. You know, why is that? I have no clue, personally. I'm not a Xavier McKinney fan, really. I don't know. He doesn't do anything great to me, and so I, I don't really love that. His best is playing in the box, but he doesn't really tackle in space well. 
at the same time, like he, he has the ability to cover tight ends and you can play multiple coverage schemes with him on the field. So I think a lot of teams are going to fall in love with him. But honestly, realistically, I don't see any way he goes as early as a lot of mocks have him going. I see him going to like Dallas at 17 and Miami at 18. I don't see that from Grant Delpit or Xavier McKinney personally. I think the safeties go much later in the draft. I don't. I just don't see anybody falling in love with any of these guys when there's so many other talented players ahead of them. Obviously, me and Jesse, huge Patriots fans. We would love to see Grant Delpit picked up by the Patriots. And every mock draft I've seen has had him going at 23 at the earliest, meaning that he should be available for the Patriots. So it's kind of a two-part question here. One, if he's available at 23, do you think the Patriots would take him? Because I'm of the camp that I think Bill Belichick is dead set and trading back into the second round. Second part of that question then, how late or how far do you think Delpit can fall? So to answer your first part, I, I actually am kind of with you. I think they're going to move back. It's just a spot in the draft that I think a team's going to want to move up. And they're in a spot that they like to move back. They want to move back. I don't think they're going to mind moving back. So I think it may happen. Delpit at 23, again, I don't personally see. I think if you're stuck there, I think you go one of those defensive linemen. Again, I think Neville Gallimore would fit your scheme really well. I think Ross Blacklock would fit your scheme really well. I think one of the linebackers, Kenneth Murray's a guy who, who blitzes really well, but also plays that coverage line linebacker very well too i think he'd be a useful piece for you guys if you stayed at 23 and then if you move back again it, it's kind of going to be preference at that point you know who these who these guys really like i'm very 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 high on jeremy chin and i honestly think he fits your scheme a little better i know he's not devin mccourty but i think he is this is a ways away but this is you know he's got the rodney harrison kind of feel to me he's going to be able to play in the box but he's going to be able to cover I, I think he's a better xavier mckinney if i'm being honest so I like Jeremy Chin for you guys, but I think Grant Delpit, I mean, I don't think he gets past Tampa in at 45. Uh, I think if he's there and he's just sitting there, we got that huge need of deep safety. I, I think we would take him. We've got that Louisiana State lineage. I really think we might we may take a look at him there, but I expect him to go in the 30s to 40s range, honestly. Before Jesse gets his next question in, just kind of following on that, you'd mentioned Chin comp being somewhat give or take uh, Rodney Harrison for me I feel like there's certain players like Lawrence Taylor and Rodney Harrison who were so goddamn crazy out there like you didn't want to be anywhere near them so you're saying he has kind of like that mentality no, no, no. It, it's more of his play style. It's more of he has the ability to play deep in coverage, although that's not where you want him on an island every time. He has the ability to play up in the box and be a run stopper. He has the ability to, to sit on top of a tight end. Uh, he has the ability to play slot a little bit, like that kind of guy. He's a real versatile piece that you can use on your defense that I think you can schematically fit into situations that benefit you. And obviously that's what Bill Belichick does best. All right, Dan, so we have talked about a lot of guys who are going to be drafted. Who are some guys or a guy who's not going to be drafted that could make an impact on an NFL roster when we finally do get to see some games played, a la J.C. Jackson or Jack Doyle? Who's an undrafted guy that's going to actually be able to make an impact this coming season? That's a good question. If I were to make a pick, I'd, I'd probably pick one of the quarterbacks. I think Nate Stanley, again, I, I know I mentioned him before. It's just I just think he's going to be a guy who, who finds a spot on a team and, and just becomes a backup. James Morgan, but I think he gets drafted, so I'm not 100% sure if, if that's a good example there. Trey Adams, I don't know if he's going to get drafted. 
this is the guy who tested dead last in every drill he tested in at the combine. Plus, he has injury concerns. But his Washington tape isn't terrible. But there are there are talks that he's going to go sixth, seventh undrafted. If he goes undrafted, and he'd be a, he'd be a pretty solid pickup. I think I think somebody could get some use out of him. So I'd probably say him. I mean, at that point, if he goes undrafted, he gets to kind of choose his destination, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at that you kind of do. Um, I don't expect him to go undrafted. I think he goes sixth, seventh round, but I mean, he definitely has a shot to. You would like to think that you get to pick your spot, but at the same time, I don't think every team is going to be knocking on his door. So I think he's going to have to take whatever deal comes his way. All right, Dan, how well do you know your list, the list that you sent Wayne and I? How well do you know the top of these guys? I mean, very well, I would like to think, yeah. All right, so of these guys, who are we going to be talking about in five to ten years as stars? You know, you, you know you've spoken very highly about Jeff Okuda. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to continue to give you time on that guy. You know, I think we, we all see him drafted in the top ten. Outside of Jeffrey Okuda, who do you see as being stars, for sure playmakers in the league? It's a great question. I think Isaiah Simmons is the easy answer. I think he's going – I think a lot's going to depend on his schematic usage, but I, I think he's just got star written all over him. He's just a, an athletic freak of nature, and I think he's really, really, really going to be an amazing player. I'm extremely high on Josh Jones. I think Josh Jones has everything you look for in a, in a pure left tackle. I'm extremely high on him. I know it's odd to pick an offensive lineman to be a star, but I just think like we're going to be talking about him like come this draft. Like, man, that guy was really, really good. You know, I've got him stupid high. I'm a huge Brandon Ayuk fan. I really, really believe in his game. I think he's going to be a really, really productive wide receiver in this league. Another guy I like a ton coming out of Florida is Van Jefferson. I just think he's a pro's pro wide receiver. He's going to come in and he's going to run every wide, every route that you're going to give him. He's going to know how to run a route. His dad's a wide receiver coach for the Jets, so he's kind of got a leg up. I think he's going to be a, an absolute star. And then, oh, Antoine Winfield Jr., I think is just going to be a, a flat-out all-pro player when, when all said and done after the end of this draft. I'm extreme. He's, his knock is he's only 5'9". If he was six foot, you wouldn't even be talking about Grant Delpit right now. You would be screaming at Bill Belichick to draft Antoine Winfield Jr. at 23. He is so instinctive. He's so smooth in coverage. I love Antoine Winfield. I, I, I expect really, really, really big things out of Antoine Winfield. Where does Winfield <laughs> Jr. get drafted? See, I, that I'm not sure. He's He's got that wide range of, I've seen him go 20-whatever to the Vikings. That was pre-Anthony Harris signing, so that's a little outdated. But, I mean, he, he there are talks. There's a lot of boards that have him as their number one safety, so he's got the chance to go really early. But personally, I think he goes more in the, in the late 30s, early 40s range. That's where I'd probably have him. I think Carolina may think about him at 38. I think the Dolphins, if they don't take a safety in the first, will really think about him at 39. I think Tampa Bay will think about him at 46 or 45. I think he's got a shot to go in that range right there. I had a question for you. If you wouldn't mind playing draft day psychiatrist for me. It's my favorite game. Awesome. Perfect. Because I'm on the couch here, and I think I made it clear. I'm not a huge Joe Burrow fan. Believe it or not, I am not a huge Trevor Lawrence fan either. But I love Fields. And I'm curious, why is that? First, I don't understand why you don't like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. That doesn't make sense to me. But I don't get why you wouldn't like them. You know, if your argument of Joe Burrow is he 
couldn't win the job at Ohio State and only had one great year. Well, why do you like Justin Fields so much? He couldn't win the job at Georgia and has only had one great year so far. So I hate that argument. I am a huge Justin Fields fan, to be first and foremost. I, I, I think, you know, if I needed a quarterback, if I'm Miami, I'm tanking for next year, too. I'm, I'm making as great as a team as I can. I'm getting offensive and defensive linemen, and I'm tanking for Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence because those are the real quarterbacks I want. I think they're much better than what you're going to get at five in this draft. So Justin Fields is going to have to continue to progress. You know, we've seen Big Ten quarterbacks light it up. He needs to be a better passer. As as much as great as he is as already a passer, he still needs to be a better passer. He needs to be more accurate, more consistent, better with his deep balls. I, I, I just think he needs to refine his game. That's all. He's a great prospect. He's got a huge ceiling. He just now needs to refine that game. Am I wrong? It's uh, kind of just off a somewhat different topic. Am I wrong when I say that I think Josh Rosen is a good quarterback and just hasn't gotten a fair shake? You're not completely wrong. I mean, I think we all kind of have seen Josh Rosen's, Rosen's arm talent. Again, the, the kid just has a terrible head on his shoulders. He makes terrible decisions on the field. And that's probably got a lot to do with his confidence. You know what I mean? I'm sure that affects it. And he's never been put in a situation where somebody's actually out outright believed in him and said, hey, this is your team. Let's go do this. But at the same time, I don't think if he's put in an ideal perfect situation, he's an all-pro quarterback. I just don't think he has it between the head or between the ears. All right, Dan, you had let both win. I know that your newest mock, the newest version, is very hot off the press. Uh, I wanted to try and stab on a few teams that uh, are very prevalent with the FAS community. Can I start out with uh, the Cowboys? Where do you see the Cowboys going uh, early in the draft? I think they're going to go secondary. I think Chason's off the board by the time. I think they'd love for Clayvon Chason to fall because I know they signed Alden Smith, and, and I know that's going to help, but... I think they're going to really miss Robert Quinn. I really do. You know, Alden Smith's not a proven commodity. I mean, he had his his peak, but I think they'd love to get a, a kind of a, a pass rusher in there to challenge. But they also need cornerback help to, to recover from Byron Jones leaving. But, I mean, they got Jordan Lewis. They've got a ton of talent. I think Jordan Lewis should stay in the slot. They should bring in a corner. Uh, I haven't taken Christian Fulton right now at 17. So, All right, next off, my man Ryan Leith, uh, again, is a big Buffalo Bills fan. Who are the Bills going to take? Well, the Bills traded their first-round pick to the Vikings for Stephon Diggs. So at this point, you know, they're they're down into the second round. If they decide to move up for, like, a corner, I think that may happen. If, like, a run on corners go. As of right now, I, I have them going uh, Curtis Weaver, the edge from Boise State. I think they really need to fill that Shaq Lawson role since he left. They need another pass rusher anyway, even if he was there. And Curtis Weaver you know, I think is going to fit kind of what they like. He's more of a physical power guy and who wins with his hands and technique, and I think they'll like that. All right, just two more for you. I'd like to stay in the East. The New York Giants. First round, I until something changes and I hear otherwise, I have them taking Mekhi Becton. It's a pure Dave Gettleman pick. The guy loves big, physical, athletic people, and that's Mekhi Becton to a T. I know it's three prospects, but I would bet everything I own that this pick will be Mekhi Becton, Isaiah Simmons, or Tristan Wirfs. And I know that's three picks, and it's not that difficult, but I mean, I, it will be one of those three players. And then in the second round, it's a little more open. I think they need an edge. 
I don't think Terrell Lewis kind of exactly fits in that in that four three. So I think they get one of those receivers that drops. I have them taking Visca Chenault in one of my mocks, and then in a trade mock, I actually have them moving up with the uh, New Orleans Saints and taking Yatur Gross Matos. So they come out of the draft with Mackay Becton and Yatur Gross Matos. Uh, I'd like to just ask two more, actually. Uh, the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, in my straight-up no-trade mock, I don't have Henry Ruggs falling to them. So they actually go cornerback C.J. Henderson there at that point. In the trade mock, I don't have Henry Ruggs falling either. So I have them actually moving out of the pick because there is not a wide receiver they like. So I have them moving back with Jacksonville, who picks a pick 20. I have them moving up to pick 15 and taking Kalevon Chase on because they're going to need an edge rusher to take over for Yannick Ngakwe. And so I have the Broncos moving back, acquiring a pick, and then taking Justin Jefferson, who I think would be the perfect complement to Cortland Sutton in the slot if they don't get Henry Ruggs. All right. Thank you so much. And lastly, I think a few of our strong members, our core members in FBS are Washington Redskins fans. We know who they should take at number two. Who else could they possibly take, and uh, who do you see them taking in the second round? They don't have a second-round pick. They traded it to Washington. I mean, to Indianapolis. That'd be a sick trade, Dan. Yeah, no. (laughs) Uh, They traded it to Indianapolis, so they don't have a second-rounder. I do think they end up moving Trent Williams for a second-rounder, though. In my trademark, I have that happening. I have Cleveland Browns actually moving their pick 41 for Trent Williams. And so I have them taking Chase Young, obviously, in the first round. And then in the second round, I have them going corner, Jalen Johnson. I'm not sure if he's going to be there, but just in general, I think this will be a secondary pick. I think Jalen Johnson would be a great pick. I think at one of the safeties, maybe if Antoine Winfield's there, which again, I don't think he will be, but if he's there at 41, I think that would be a perfect fit with uh, Collins there in their defensive backfield. But I expect a, a secondary player at that point, they need quarterback help and secondary help really bad. And Jalen Johnson fits their scheme to an action, an absolute tease. So I think that'd be a great pick. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, which you have a couple times here so far. You didn't mention Chase Young as part of your stars in the future, did you? Didn't I just thought that was kind of obvious? I think he's definitely going to be a star in this draft. I didn't say it because I didn't want to just regurgitate kind of information everybody's already heard. But I mean, the guy's as good as it gets. I mean, he's one of the, the best prospects I've ever kind of evaluated from a pure rushing standpoint. If you keep him in a 3-4, or if you put him in a 3-4, he's going to be a liability in coverage sometimes. And he does play with his pads a little high. So I'd probably keep him in a 3-4 or 4-3 and make him put his hand down. But, I mean, his pass rushing moves, his actual hand strength, are, I mean, he he manhandles boys that are just bigger than him. And it's because they, they're, so, they're so thrown. His snap recognition coupled with his speed throw you off to make you worry so much about that speed rush that then he plants his foot and comes and squares you up and just throws you off balance. I, he's really fun to watch. I mean, I think him and Montez Sweat are going to be a lethal pass rush in Washington been another great episode i really appreciate dan i think anybody listening right now if you have not already canceled your espn insider because fuck todd bachet and fuck mel kuyper because i'm gonna tell you right now you're wasting your money when you can get all the insight right here dan knows more than they do 
Don't even listen to their crap. This is where you come to get the good stuff. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, I wish I had their inside connects because I actually do think I'm able to break down prospects better than they are. But man, those inside connects would be nice to have. But yeah, I really appreciate it. This is, you know, I've said it a thousand times. This is my Christmas. I love doing this. So diving into this and getting to, you know, sit over this tape and just watch these guys is a lot of fun to me. I wish you had Mel Kuyper's hair. He wishes he had my hair. One more time, I'm just going to say visit RTF Sports Network. Not only are you going to get a chance to hear us as part of their playlist, but you're going to get a chance to enter and get three months of ESPN Plus for free. Don't pay for it. Watch The Last Dance. You don't have to illegally stream it and get a VPN. You don't have to go over your buddy's house who smells bad, and you don't want to go over there anyways. Enter. Win it. You're going to get a great, great prize. Uh, so definitely do that and listen to RTF Sports Network. Listen to all the shows. They're all great, but definitely listen to ours. And feel free to visit the Facebook All Sports page on Facebook and ask for an invite. We'll, we'll shoot you an invite. Join the group. It's a great group. And you know, give us a rating and let us know how we're doing. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Uh, again, Dan, I'd like to thank you for the insight you shared and Wayne for the hard work you put in in editing this product and making it come out so awesome. And uh, thank you to all the fans who continue to listen. Uh, we love doing this so much. Yeah, definitely. RTF Sports, you know, get on there, sign up, get that ESPN Plus, listen to our podcast, listen to all the other podcasts that are on there, listen to them. There's a ton of great information on there. Again, join FBAS. I can't say this enough. It's a great community. Send us an invite. You know, we'll accept. I promise, you know, it's a great community. We thank you so much for the listen and rate and review, and we'll see you next week. Oh, Kenny, here you are. What's going on, bud? What time is it? It's over! It's over, ladies and gentlemen!